Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Like, wow, he's a lot younger than I thought. I, I want to <laughs> Nice. Congrats. I'm on a podcast. Do you want to say hi to Greg? Hi. Hi. Hey, I'm recording you, f- you right now. Oh, perfect. Eva, what's your favorite song? Um, I'll give you a hint. It's the They Might Be Giants podcast. It's not my birthday. It is. <laughs> well, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> this is the perfect intro to the episode. I got it. That's all. Uh, all right. We're keeping all that. Hang on. Hang on. Fight. This might be a podcast. This might be a podcast. It might be great. It might be guest. It might be a big, big mess. Podcast popping in your Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. I'm hey. your host, Greg Simpson. <laughs> Don't you dare. I am Greg Simpson, not this imposter on the other end of the line. And aren't you in Canada or something? I am indeed, yes, Ontario. Ontario. I'm not in Ontario. I mean, you could drive from, that's a drivable distance to get to Ontario from Indiana. I don't know, 10 hours, 12. Yep. It's a day. It's a day. Yeah, I've driven to Ithaca, New York. My wife drove it straight without stopping. So this is not quite that far east. You go more north, I'd guess, around. I've been to Niagara Falls. I've been to all that. Yeah. Uh, Punk News, actually, Punk News was started by two Canadians. Uh, Adam White, uh, who does all the tech stuff, all the coding. He's the guy that gets it onto all the services, does the RSS feed and all that. Adam White. I owe him everything. He hired me on. We were both in college. Punk News started in 99. Didn't really get going until 2000. Then I was on board in 2002. Adam White's been on the whole time. Aubin Paul actually started it. He lives in New York now, but they're both from Ontario. He still lives in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Um, and you can listen to him on the weekly Punk News podcast, and everybody should. Um, the podcast is at like 500 episodes. That's been going a really long time. Um... Hasn't missed a week in like eight years. Hasn't missed an episode. Those guys are insane. Yeah, I used to produce that. It was a lot of work. And I wasn't even on the show, so there was no payoff. (laughs) I'd be on occasionally. But anyway, so this might be a podcast. Uh, I think we're supposed to talk about a song. And the song that my guest picked, we got uh, Micah Galizia, uh, an Italiano-Canadian canadian italian (laughs) and he picked it's not my birthday and here we go well the rain falls down without my help i'm afraid and my lawn gets wet though i've withheld my consent when this gray world crumbles like a cake i'll be hanging from the hoop that i'll never see that recipe again as i walk i think about a new way to walk as i think i'm using up the time left to This train keeps rolling off the track Trying to act like something else Trying to go where it's been uninvited It's not my birthday It's not today It's not my birthday So why do you lunch out at me? When the word comes down Nevermore will be around Though I wish we were there 
is less than we could bear And I'm not the only dust my mother raised So I'm rattling So it's been a long time since I talked about a B-B-B-B-Side from the early days And I'm excited to uh, So we'll get to why you picked this song in particular But first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself What do you do other than being a dad With some adorable kids over there? Yep, uh, I work as a software developer for uh, one of Canada's big four financial institutions. Ah, a money man, eh? Or the tech guy for the money man. Yeah, more like it, yep. I imagine it's a fairly lucrative field, though. Uh, it's good. It's busy, and it's challenging, and it's fun. So, yeah, it's, that's, it's That's good. all good. You don't want to be bored. Yeah. I deal with kindergartners all day, so I'm never bored. Frustrated. But <laughs> my wife is a kindergarten teacher as well. So. Oh, God bless that woman. I yeah, see him for a half hour and then I send them away. <laughs> Go away. It's time for first graders now. Go away. It's time for fourth graders. So, yeah, if I have a problem, kid, I'm not the one that has to deal with them all day. So um, let's talk about your fandom then. Um, you've called in and left voicemails. You've been a very nice supporter of the pod since the very early days a whole year and a half ago. And um, so how did you become a They Might Be Giants fan? Um, when, how, why? Yeah, well, I think, you know, everybody saw Tiny Tunes. And uh, at the time, I didn't. it didn't really register for me that it was anything other than the show. Um, and Same. then, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, even, I think in high school, one of my friends mentioned, you know, Particle Man. Um, in a band that I played in. And so I remember I looked them up then and sort of just lost track of the whole thing for years. And then back, I think in 2008, uh, you know, I made some joke about the band at work. And, and from there, I thought, you know, I should, I should look into them. And, uh, and the rest is history, you know. Interestingly, though, I remember uh, looking on their Wikipedia page, and the two big songs that they had listed there were Birdhouse and I want to say Anna Ang. And I remember listening to Birdhouse and thinking, ah, this is crap. I got to go find something else. Really? And so, yeah. And wow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. <laughs> like I said, Alien hot takes. Of my hot takes. Yeah. So hot takes. Ooh, so spicy. So I've come around to it, but I remember. Um, <laughs> had to come went, around to Birdhouse in here. So. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, what a contrarian, but no, so I grabbed the else instead and I just, I heard I'm impressed and I'm like, this is amazing. And you're like, and just, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I am impressed. So there's a big gap there. So you heard him in like 1990. How are, are we, are we like the same age? Yeah. Uh, 81, I'm, I was born. Me too. So, same. Yeah. So you were like nine and you heard him and you just like, this is tiny tunes. This is a silly song, whatever. And yep. yeah. And then it took me only like four three more years to actually get into them you know um yeah 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 um late middle school early high school so like a few years later and then so you took 17 years to like really right so you you heard birdhouse whatever you still dismiss that but then the else was 2007 that's a long yeah. time. Well, so no, in 2007, I started looking, I, I went back to it and I heard Birdhouse and I thought, oh, this is like, I don't know, too poppy. So I went and in grabbed In 2007. So, yeah, okay. yeah. So I left them alone for a long time. Uh-huh. It's funny. I often feel like, um, you know, I, I didn't have, uh, I never listened to them as a kid. And it's so strange because growing up as a nerd, right? I'm into computers and science and it just, right? it would have been such a perfect match. I feel like I deprived myself. I was like only into the hardcore music. 
Yeah, yeah. So you were in bands, right? What um, what instrument did you play? Yep. Uh, yeah, actually, I think you and I have a lot of similarities. So uh, anything in the in the lower brass, right? Baritone, trombone, tuba. Nice. Depending on the band. In the rock band, I played percussion, drums. Nothing like fancy. There you go. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, dude. Same and, deal. Was it a pretty serious thing for you, or just oh, yeah. like? Nice. Yeah, yeah. If I if I didn't go into school for computer, like if I had the chops, I probably would have done music. But like computers is just way easier for me, um, and yeah. I probably didn't have the chops. That's a but, skill uh, I yeah. don't have. I'm very much a novice with the tech stuff, and that's why Adam writes the code, and I copy and paste it and change the necessary things in the yep. code <laughs> to post each episode. Yeah, yeah. So it's not my birthday. Getting back to this song, why did you pick this song then? Because you were like, okay, I heard some flood stuff not that impressed but then you heard i'm impressed and you were impressed how did you so how did you make your way backwards and how did you decide on this song like a year ago well like i said you know i got i got started on the elf and then i just you know i uh i acquired the discography and i just i listened to everything from like from that day on it has been all tmbg all the time (laughs) yeah it's funny how they do that and i like hearing these stories and people i mean this the intro segment, I think, is some people's favorite part of the show because talking, yeah, cool. yeah, talking to new people, um, just hearing the stories like, yeah, we're like, okay, it's another Tiny Toons story. Oh, but wait, that didn't hook him. He, he saw it, didn't hook him, though, 17 years later. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, boom, you're obsessed because they, they work like that. Either you're obsessed immediately or... You're like, yeah, in passing, whatever, some whatever point in your life you're at, like, I'm surprised I stuck with him through my whole punk rock phase, because to me, I had a very narrow definition of punk. I was like, rancid, Green Day, no effects, you know, just, you know, a, a lot of other bands that way, Descendants, Face to Face, all these bands. Um, I'm just looking at my old bass drum head that's on the wall from when I was 15, has all these stickers on it, Bad Religion, yeah, all those. All that fat record stuff, epitaph, and uh, but they might be giants. Somehow persevered as one of my listening habits through all that. And I had some other friends who were even punk rock guys that were like, I mean, hell yeah, you hear "Dig My Grave." I mean, Apollo 18 is my favorite album. I say that all the time. "Dig My Grave" is a punk rock song. So for an album that to be my introduction, that probably helped because rather mm-hmm. than starting with the theme from Flood and going into Birdhouse, it was "Dig My Grave." going into i palindrome i which is like yeah i mean that's 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 what hooked me you know uh and it makes sense you know those are two much more punk songs i mean dig my grave super fast i palindrome i he says you son of a bitch like right off the bat do you uh do you want to hear a funny story about that yeah totally so my kids listen to the music with me. They, they, all three of them actually love They Might Be Giants. And I, I, I like to think that I'm not forcing it on them. They've come to it in their own just by hearing it. But anyways, I yeah. palindrome I, it starts off, someday mother will die and I'll get the money. And so we were at family dinner the other day with Sarah's grandparents. And wouldn't you know, they just started <laughs> singing it. Someday mother will die and I'll get <laughs> Fantastic. And, and the grandparents, oh, they were aghast. But it was, it was good fun. You had to explain yeah. it. Explain your way yes. out of that one, Dad. Ooh, yeah. Letting your parents listen to some horrible like death metal or something about killing your mother. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just posted a picture of me. I, I don't know if you saw it, I only posted it on Instagram, but um and the Outdoor Valor Twitter that I finally bought I've just been on a big Sonic Youth kick and I bought 
uh, the T-shirt with a cover of Goo. Are you familiar with the co- Sonic Youth Goo? It's like an old no, pop sorry. art thing. It's an old pop art. Um, well, I, I think I don't think it was made for the album, but the the text on it is hilarious because it says, "Let me bring it up so I read it correctly." So it's like a guy and a girl, kind of beatnik or more like kind of like Andy Warhol factory looking. Uh, 60s hipsters, and it says Sonic Youth LP, and then it says, I stole my sister's boyfriend. It was all whirlwind heats and flash. Within a week, we killed my parents and hit the road. And Kara's like, you probably, you probably shouldn't wear that one to school on Fridays. <laughs> uh, no. That's a, that's a bit beyond casual. Yeah, I also bought the the Pro Row, Roe v. Wade uh, Planned Parenthood t-shirt that Danny and Marty were both uh, promoting. I went and bought that like immediately. Car and I both bought one, and I'm like, I wore it to school, <laughs> and I'm teaching rural Indiana, and it was yeah. like it was cold enough that I had a sweatshirt zipped up most of the day or like half unzipped. But I imagine some of my not the kids they don't know what that is. My coworkers, no, and like, your parents. Oh man, you're pro-abortion. I'm, no, I'm pro-choice. <laughs> Anywho, there's a difference. So. um I'm probably losing listeners as we speak. Yes. Well, you know, that was the that was the goal. You live in Canada, you don't have to deal with not that you don't have conservatives there, but your guy leading the oh. country actually seems, you know, intelligent and like a relatively nice guy. Not that there's problems, but compare him to Trump. He's Oh, yeah. Goddamn. He actually he, you know, Justin Trudeau's great and he's a bit of a yeah. doofus, but politically <laughs> he's okay. Um Ontario's premier, which would be like your state governor, I guess. I saw the premier of Ontario mm-hmm. uh, is like mini Trump. It's crazy. I couldn't. Oh no! I, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's brutal. Idiot. I don't anyway. know. How, it's this is how the world goes. You make some progress, some social progress, and then someone brings you back. It's Nixon. <sighs> or it's Reagan. There's always Nixon's the one. It's <laughs> always you know <clears throat> you two steps forward and a step back, and you just hope. Hopefully that's not one step forward and two steps back. You hope you're making a couple forward. They drag you back. It's just the cyclical nature of a two-party system of politics. But um, this isn't the James K. Polk episode. That one got real out of hand with politics. That was a good one. My friend Steve and Dan. Uh, Yeah, but I probably lose listeners. I tweeted out something from the podcast thing about being at an Elizabeth Warren thing. And I lost like four followers. I'm like, good fucking riddance. I mean, if you listen to They Might Be Giants, they, if you follow their Twitter, if you're offended by liberal stuff, you probably should unfollow them too while you're at it. So, whatever. No. Get used to it. spoken these days, yeah. Because he's always tweeting politically. Yeah. Hell, I mean, look at their songs. I mean, they're not outright political, but so many things can be tied to liberal ideals. I mean, hell, I just did an episode with four trans people talking about these they might be giant songs that they love that they can relate to gender identity stuff you're not going to have some fucking republican shithead band that has lyrics that oh yeah i love these lyrics as as a trans person or a non-binary person so it's not my birthday should we get to the history of the song because it's kind of a long one for being an early song yeah we might as well eh? let's do it Eh? Say that more. I like it. It's cute. Did, did I do uh, that? No. A boot. I'm a boot I to didn't say, say A. You said no, A. I didn't do it. You said A. Uh, <laughs> I'm not editing that out. Oh well. I'll actually copy and paste it at the end of every sentence you say. Uh, <laughs> perfect. Okay. <laughs> Listening to Adam on the podcast so much, it doesn't. I barely even notice it anymore. 
I hear a lot of Canadians on podcasts. Um, so the so if you go to the wiki, it's always the first place to go. Um, before we get to the proper Lincoln B-side version, let's talk about the chronology here. So the first version, so it was properly released on the They'll Need a Crane EP in 1989, but two years before that on the Franco Tool Show, um, the It's Not My Birthday demo was uh, premiered. Well, the rain the album i think like it didn't uh didn't stray too far it's low quality recording obviously but i love it you know the love the it. soul of the song is there yeah it's uh yeah really they didn't change the um tempo a whole lot um i've actually been i've been flipping through a lot of versions and there's also like multiple uploads and some i think might be the same versions but just have some sort of digital artifacts or stuff that's screwed with them or tape tapes because there's some that sound to me like they're in different keys so the song is pretty firmly in d major like this is not one where i'm going to question the wiki because it's very much in d um it does have some cool playing around with majors and minors um because d should have an a major in it it does have a majors but also will go to a minors which is something as a songwriter i never think about doing that i'm like let's stay in the key i don't know linnell's just like both the guys are just like, well, this sounds cool. You know, I don't know how much they think about it. Well, I'm in the key of D, so it should be an A major. Whoops, I put an A minor. That's not right. Can't do that. And G's and G minors right in a row. Stuff that I learned from Bowie songs and Beatles songs. I'm like, you can do that? <laughs> a G hey, and G you, minor? Yeah. You're just looking at the uh, tabs? The guitar tab on the wiki, yeah. yeah. So, like, I've been flipping through and hearing versions that are in different keys, but I haven't like gone and like played guitar along to with them, and I think it maybe is just like a tape effect that's like slowing it down or speeding it up. It's, it's hard to tell. Um, but as far as I can tell, none of them say on the wiki that they're in different keys, so I don't think they are. So now then, but yeah, I love that. I love the echo effect, but I'm huge into like shoegaze music and stuff that has a lot of reverb on it. So I'm pretty I'm pretty into it. Um, the yeah the Franco tool thing is a uh, is a funny, funny thing. Do you know much about that? Uh, yeah, it was the, they guessed it on that show, right? It was like a radio program or something. Yeah. So the WFMU tape, 1987. Um, and they did, yeah, they played dial a song. They're calling them classics, but at the time, I mean, they'd been a band for probably going on five years. So I guess that's a fairly long time for a rock band to stay together. They've been together a lot longer at this point, but it's crazy to think about it. There's something coming. There's a new car on the horizon. It's coming very slowly. It makes a noise. It has kittens painted all over it. 
with a new kind of fur, cleaner, but with a unique smell. Yet one of these kittens is not prepared to have a good time. It stands alone, away from the crowd. It's your kind of kitten. And the introduction from 1985, the talking, uh, the car decorated with uniquely scented kittens, that whole thing, like, it's just, it's the early TMBG that I fell in love with that's just so artsy and avant-garde and just bizarre. Not that they don't do bizarre stuff now, but it's kind of in a different way. And I think a lot of it has to do with technology. Back then, they were playing with actual tape, manipulating tape. Like, they were using samples, you know, stuff like, you know, and like, um, you know, Daddy'll Sing Bass and all this, like, different, like, little samples and stuff. They don't do that anymore. And legally, I think it is a little tougher territory with that kind of thing. But these bizarre intros, like the duo era where the they would just turn the tape player on and go off stage and the tape would introduce them in a weird way. And then they play It's Not My Birthday, dial a song, and it's got all this echo all over it. It's just... You wouldn't, they wouldn't put this vocal effect on a song today, I don't think. No, and some, I mean, the, the quality is so, I don't want to say poor, but like, you know, it, it's a bit degraded. I, I wonder yeah. if, it's, if it itself is just an artifact. Like, I wonder if the original demo even had that reverb or, or echo or whatever. Well, it know. says that if this is ripped from, I mean, again, it's like how many copies of a copy, you know, how many Xeroxes yeah. have been made of this? Because um, that's what a lot of that power dial song, that like massive, and I haven't had an episode lately where I've had a power of dial song song on it. Have you listened to those like hour and a half long like oh, yeah. fan yeah, compilations? Oh my god, what a ride those are! It's like oh, I I long for those days of They Might Be Giants. I love modern They Might Be Giants, but that shit is just so bizarre. Like you can tell, like they weren't really worrying about the live show, what it was going to be like. They weren't worrying about any other musicians. You could tell they were making the music purely for themselves and didn't care what anyone else would think because can you imagine being like, I don't know, in 1987, this comes on the radio and your favorite band is, I don't know, Poison? I mean, like, and then you hear something like this or like, even if if your favorite band is something cooler, like The Cure or something, but then you hear this, be like, what? on earth is this like it just sounds yeah. like nothing else and they might be giants still have a lot of songs that sound like no other bands but they also just like kick out a lot of cool power pop songs and i like a good power pop song but they have a lot of songs these days that could be written by other bands not as well the lyrics wouldn't be as good but style wise i'm saying fountains of wayne could pull off songs like you know mesopotamians or something it probably wouldn't be about for Mesopotamia from Mesopotamians but that style of song replace it with some different like more you know Stacy's mom lyrics there you go you know I long for these old days that power dial song just riding that through and being like oh my god like what are these songs what are these songs I don't even know what these are so it's not my birthday luckily made it even further and so the next step was the Bill Krause demo so he was there early you know, collaborators as far as recording when they started getting other people involved, like, okay, we need help recording, you know, 
you know, some stuff made the albums like Toddler Highway that famously is the demo version made the actual made the pink album because they I think they tried to record it with Bill Krause and then they just couldn't get it right. But most stuff ended up going through Bill Krause on those first two albums. This is a actual studio demo, a Lincoln demo, back when people used to do demos before they record the actual album. It's not my birthday. It's not today. It's not my birthday. So why do you lunge at me? or whatever the intro to the chorus this is the bass and the drums right like yeah a, i mean it's definitely still a demo yeah like they're probably feeling it out in the studio i mean it's hard to imagine these like we were in bands in the 90s did you guys put out records did you do like four track recordings and stuff yeah 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 i love that stuff and i'm so nostalgic for that and i'm s- I'm so thankful for digital recording technology now, but I do have that nostalgia about recording to tape and it being permanent, you know, and you're like, this has got to be a good take. We can't, we don't have, you know, we're recording to a cassette or like, and then we moved up to like a dat tape, stuff that's a lot harder to fix. You know, we're not like the Beatles, like cutting huge reel to reel tape and like cutting and taping things together. It's like, we got to get a good take. And so you would actually demo stuff and you'd, you'd meet your producer, uh, and like kind of feel it out, get to know each other, record some simpler versions. And those are the demos. And then you'd record the real one. So you're basically recording every song twice. It's like the John Henry demos, you know, especially when they were on a major label, the label was probably like, we need to hear demos. Then we will approve them. No, you need to change Nyquil Driver to AKA Driver. <laughs> but other than that, go ahead and now record it again for real. Yeah. It's so much work. So yeah. much work that is not required even by them. They don't demo stuff anymore. They just record it. They write the songs. They record it for real right off the bat. Release it. Well, so we think new- anyway. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I mean, Danny's, you know, when Danny was on in December... He was talking about them recording. You know, he didn't give away too many trade secrets, but he was like, oh, yeah, we just uh, got out of the studio. I'm like, oh, really? You got a whole album done? He's like, no, we just did three songs, you know, and then we'll go back in in, uh, I think, February and do three more songs, or that was the end of January or whatever. So, like, they eventually pieced together an album. So it sounds like the John's just like, hey, we wrote four songs, you know, maybe Flans wrote two, Linnell wrote two. Here's how they go. Make up your part right now because we're recording it. <laughs> like, wow. you know, they do rehearsals before tours, but I think when it comes to, it's kind of this phrase that I heard that's like, first idea, best idea, which when you're a really good musician, that like, just like that first spark where you're like, oh, this song's really cool. What am I going to do on bass? You come up with it. You're like, okay, yeah, a couple of runs through. You're like, okay, that's what I want to do. Your skills aren't holding you back because you're a professional musician in a touring band for 20 years. So 
your skills are there and if you know just like your style like okay that's part that's the line all right i got it hit record you know and then it's done <laughs> and then they really have to practice it when it comes to the tour because they're just like okay i'll lay down my bass line over your keyboard part over the drum machine marty replaces the drum machine with real drums that seems to me how they're doing it but it just comes out for real because what they call dial a song now is not this era no, yeah. song. The John's just yelling into an answering machine. Um, it's album tracks that will be released on a CD and an LP. You know, they're the real deal. So Bill Krause, great producer. Love his work on those early albums. I mean, solid dude um, from everything I've heard about him. And uh, maybe maybe someday I'll get him on talk about one of these songs. But... Uh, I think this demo sounds pretty great sonically. Um, it's definitely demo. You know, they did it quickly. But, like, the speed, it's the same tempo, but it doesn't have, like, the Johnny Cash, doon chicka doon chicka doon chicka doon at least not right away. So it kind of feels like a slower song. I think the BPM is still the same. Well, the rain falls down. But it has doesn't have the subdivision that, like, propels it. It's got this cool tremolo guitar. I like the guitar effect. I miss Flans being the only guitarist. I've said this before, nothing against Dan Miller, but Flansburg's style and choices with tones, when he was having to cover the full thing, he was the only guitarist, he would make more noise because he was the only one. You know, they would just play a lot louder because there were only two of them. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Just like, hey, there's only two of us. That means we got to go more nuts on stage. We got to make up for not having a live drummer. We got to be crazier. We got to have props. We got to have weird intros. Just this era is just fucking golden. Everything about it, even the weirdest stuff, I love it all. So interestingly, then, if the I'm just looking at the chronology, uh-huh. and the 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 version that shows up on Miscellaneous T was released in '89. That that would have also been before they had a full band, right? Uh, they didn't have a, a live drummer until '92. So like almost. Because I talked to Jonathan Feinberg on the Patreon episode last spring, and most people forget that they had a fourth human drummer. He only appeared on one album track, the O Tenenbaum cover that they did on a 7-inch. It's the only thing he drummed on record, but he went on tour for Apollo 18. Almost as soon as the record came out, or even before the record was probably released, post-recording, pre-tour, they added a live band, and Jonathan Feinberg was the drummer. And after the tour... There were some scheduling conflicts. He had some other gigs he was doing. And they're like, oh, you can't make it? You can't make this next tour? Okay. He's out of the band. Yeah, I just I just listened to that on the Dan Hickey episode. Yeah. Cruel mm-hmm. business. Cruel so this, business. It, are the drums a drum machine on this, on the miscellaneous T version? Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Is it? Okay. They upgraded their drum machine technology, even between the first two albums. And so they were increasingly getting, you know, keeping up on the newest technology. Drum machine was obviously a very important part of their sound because they didn't have a human drummer. So they were moving on like a lot of the, you know, stuff on the first where it's like, boom, 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 like real kind of like 80s hip hop sounding kind of drums. You know, they weren't using them in a hip hop setting, but that kind of tone, you know, like run DMC kind of tone or something real in your face. So then I think as as the technology started progressing and obviously as hip hop was becoming more popular, drum machines were becoming more popular. It was part of the style. And so, but then there were drum machines that I think had more, and I don't know about the history of drum machines really, but um, more subtle sounds were becoming available, like 
a setting that is brushes, where like you know the Johnny Cash drummer is using brushes to check to check or like a light sticking, like a lot more. There were a lot more options available to them to where they could start making drum beats where people would be like, "Is that a real drummer?" Like you just did, you know? Because that if you're good at programming drums, I mean, you could make it so that if you want it to sound fake, if you want it to sound ridiculous which is most of their modern stuff with drum machine. They make it pretty obvious that it's drum machine. They're not going to pretend to be Marty. They've already got a Marty, (laughs) you know, but like back in the day, I don't know if they're necessarily trying to fool people, but like make it sound like a real drummer, you know, and they succeed on this. They had to beef up the They'll Need a Crane EP. So They'll Need a Crane, which was already on Lincoln, then got to put some B-sides on there. It's Not My Birthday, then I'll Sink Manhattan, which is a fantastically weird song. Hey, hey, (laughs) hey. (laughs) And then Nightgown of the Sullen Moon, which is one of the most gorgeous Linnell songs of that era or ever. That whole album, what did you call it, an EP? Yeah, Yeah, they're calling it an EP because it's four songs. I mean, a single, I guess, would be two, an EP would be four or more probably three tracks is a weird gray area but um as a guy who's released both eps and lps on the back cover is so good oh god the photo on the back of it is good with the exception of that photo of them playing the famous polka with flansburg laying on the ground and linnell crouching with the accordion this might be my second favorite picture of them ever because just like the domestic like boredom or Mm -hmm. sadness or whatever that this simple black and white photo invokes is just amazing is that the lincoln prop from the yes yeah which looks giant from the way they shot it but is actually quite tiny it's tiny yeah the little mini podium Uh, before we talk lyrics, what do you like about the musical arrangement of It's Not My Birthday, official album version? Oh, boy. Uh, you're asking a total dilettante. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what you mean in this context. You're a musician. What do you like about um, it? I, I don't know. I, I it just and it's it's funny because this I, I feel like this is one of their more normal songs, right? Like when you when you think, especially for the era. Okay. Of of the like the weird stuff that they were producing. This is a pretty cut and dry folky track, right? Like there's not Yeah. Like it's it's a bit of like a Johnny Cash kind of pastiche almost. Yeah. yeah without so the Johnny it, Cash style in the vocals. And so I like um I don't know, the, the build up to the chorus like don't 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 I love that and but really it's always been the words for me, this song. The Chord progression is one of the more standard progressions that Linnell has done, like I've said, but they're still playing around with majors and minors. I like that. I've never played the song on guitar, and I don't need to do a cover, because there are plentiful covers of this song. Thank goodness for a B-side. I was a little worried. Um, so, the I love the Johnny Cash-style drums. Like I said, it's kind of like a country pastiche, which they don't really do anymore. Like, in the early days, we had number three... Mr. President, I asked, oh, what's his name? We had Alien Nations for the Rich, like Flansburg especially, loved 
these country deals. So then this is like a Lincoln era country song that's more of like the kind of like chicken picking Johnny Cash yeah. style, like it, it train feels, down the tracks. Like, I don't know if there's a distinction, but like it feels more like folk than like true, true twangy country. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, to me, and this is something I talk about with my kids. My sixth graders are actually doing rep- reports on different genres because I, I teach in a rural area. Country music is very popular. And I'll be like, well, do you know Hank Williams? Figuring that that's like a pretty safe bet, even though that's like 60, well, I don't know, 70 years ago he died. Um, I don't know. He died really young, just like any true rock and roller. He was the first rock and roller uh, before rock and roll even existed. Um, drank himself to death. But like, if you don't know Hank Williams, you're not a country fan, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm trying to school these kids. Like, kids just like what's popular. So I'm trying to educate them, even on their preferred genres. I don't listen to a ton of country, but I like the old stuff. Like, like Dolly Parton getting up into the 80s. That's like, it's got to be before that. It's mostly more like Willie Nelson stuff earlier than going even back, you know, Patsy Cline. I love that stuff. And they're like, what is this? I'm like, this is country music. It is? Yes, this is what real country music sounds like, not pop music with a guy with a drawl. But so folk music like Woody Guthrie, I love. And I love the Carter family is one that I mentioned is kind of being that bridge between folk and country. Are you familiar with the Carter family? I'm not familiar with any country. You know Johnny Cash. Yes. Ring of Fire was written by his wife, not by him. June Carter, June Carter Cash. Her mom and her aunt and uncle had a group, a trio called the Carter family. This is her mom, Mother Mabel, Mabel Carter, basically invented modern country guitar picking. And it kind of sounds like this, where like today you might be like, oh, what's this old folk recording? It's from the 30s. You know, it's really old and scratchy. Sounds super cool. It's not wax cylinder scratchy, but it's scratchy. You know, it's probably released on a 78. And like this song reminds me kind of that old school country, you know? I mean, but all of theirs, really, number three is kind of an old kind of honky-tonk floor stomper. Alienations for the Rich is that, like, lamenting country ballad or, like, that cowboy ballad, home on the range, my son's got to go to art school. Like, that's real country. Like, when people were moving out into the unknown country with their guitar. When Woody Guthrie's traveling the country on boxcar with a guitar. That's, uh, that's real country, baby. Not fucking Blake Shelton or whatever the fuck. Um... <laughs> These are just my opinions. When I moved to Indiana, I had to learn about country. Yeah. So I, I love the style. I'll just say that. It's the They Might Be Giants take on Johnny Cash style country. Um, you have anything else to say about the, the arrangement before we get to the lyrics? First note's a D. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, yes. I will not contest the key of the song, though there are quite a few accidentals in it. It is definitely in D. Actually, you know what's funny? You In, in one of your other podcasts, you were talking about modes, like, um, was it Dorian and Phrygian? Phrygian and Mixolydian. I, I pulled that out of my last piano lesson. I was like, but is it Dorian or Phrygian? And they looked at me like I had three heads. Because it's it's not. It's just in a major key. So. Yeah, right. So, wait, you teach piano lessons? No. Or you I take, take piano? I take piano. Nice. Sweet. How yeah. long have you been doing that? Uh, since September. Cool. That's awesome. Do your kids play any instruments yet? Well, that's just it. We were we were putting the kids in piano, and I was like, I should do. I should get back into music. So I was like, you know, I'll just I'll just join in. So yeah, I, I have a lesson. Hell yeah, man. That's a good excuse. I mean, when my sister took up cello, 
she was doing the Suzuki method, and they would encourage parents to join along. Most of them didn't, but my mom did. My mom learned cello along with my sister for like two years. Good dad. High five. I uh, the, This music teacher fully approves of that. I love it. Cool. Yeah. So you, wait, so what did your teacher say exactly? Oh, she just kind of looked at me like, uh-huh, whatever. Because <laughs> like, I think... She's uh, like... <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly, yeah. She knew I was talking shit. But she, I'm sure she's aware of them if you learn your skills. Oh, yeah. They're actually quite easy to play. If you look, if you Google it, you could very easily play in any of those scales because, um, well, like C major, obviously, stick to the white keys. Every mode can be played on white keys only. So like D Dorian is the easiest way to play Dorian. If you start on D and end on D, that's a D Dorian scale. So play just white keys. Instead of starting on C and ending on C, you start on D, ending on D, and that puts the half steps in Dorian. Um, E, E, shit, is that Phrygian? It starts with a half step right away because you go from E to F. So that's a really weird sounding one because the half step's right at the jump. So, But like each one, each starting on an E, starting on an F, starting on a G, starting on an A, starting on a B. Um, Well, starting on an A is minor, which is called... uh, uh, Ionian, you know, in Major's Alien, um, old school medieval terms, right? But um, you could you could easily Google that and be like, oh, that's what Dorian sounds like. It's easy. It's an easy way to start. Just stick to the white key D Dorian, you know, don't do like F Dorian because then you're going to have black keys involved and you need to know where the half steps are. It's all about the half steps in Western music. Um, so um, the lyrics... Yeah. From the, the trivia on the wiki, uh, from the liner notes in Then, which I probably should have brought down from upstairs, the lyrics for It's Not My Birthday have defied simple interpretation, probably out of irresponsibility or laziness on the part of its young author. <laughs> and who's, who is this quoting? This is from like one of the... This is them fucking with people. Obviously Linnell, right? Yeah, it's Linnell or Flansburg, one of them writing stuff just to throw people off the scent. Yeah. I mean, what are they talking about themselves? It's young author. I mean, they were writing it in 1997 about a song they wrote in 1987. So, you know, as they're compiling these liner notes and old pictures and stuff to put out this doubled CD, you know, they, you know, of course, it's Save My Pajamas. They're going to throw some nonsense in there. It's defied simple interpretation out of responsibility, irresponsibility or laziness on the part of its young author. And Linnell has called himself lazy before, and mm. as a songwriter, that couldn't be further from the friggin' truth. So the uh, "I'll never see that recipe again." Were you familiar t- with uh, that? Oh line? yeah, I, I remember in the car. I used to hear that. My dad used to play the oldies or whatever that would be. Someone left the cake out in the rain. I don't think that I can take it, cause it took so long to bake it, and I'll never have that. MacArthur Park by Richard Harris, the 1968 song. I first learned about that, not with the original lyrics, but the Weird Al version. Have you heard Weird Al's um, Jurassic Park song? No. Wait, no, I must have. I must have. I cannot approve of this attraction. Cause getting disemboweled always makes me kinda mad A huge Tyrannosaurus ate our lawyer Well I suppose that proves they're really not all 
frightening in the dark All the dinosaurs are running wild Someone let T-Rex out of his pen I'm afraid those things will harm me Cause they sure don't act like Barney So El Palooza, um... It was, and it was weird for him to parody something so old. He doesn't really do that anymore. He used to, like My Bologna and all that stuff. Um, well, I guess that was the current song at the time. But so it's just called Jurassic Park, and it's a parody of MacArthur Park. So Jurassic Park, MacArthur Park. And the lyrics are just hilarious. And what does he say instead of, I'll never have that recipe again? Where are the lyrics? Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park is frightening in the dark. All the dinosaurs are running wild. Yeah, um, okay, I know that one. Someone shut the fence off in the rain instead of left the cake out in the rain. Yeah, yeah. And I admit it's kind of eerie, but this proves my chaos theory, and I don't think I'll be coming back again instead of I'll never have that recipe again. <laughs> Weird Al is a national treasure. But back to the real lyrics. Um, so I'll never see the recipe again is a funny, you know, they were referencing it you know, a few years before Weird Al. It's just a weird song. It's just a weird song. Like, it's weird that it became a hit. The lyrics are just bizarre. Uh, But I guess in 1968, the whole hippie thing, like, lyrics were really weird, trippy stuff. Um, I'm not the only dust my mother raised. References the phrase, raise the dust, which is apparently a British term, to cause disruption, confusion, or turmoil. Had you ever heard that phrase, raise the dust? I think so, yeah. I don't know. All instances of this song contain a quiet thump about 10 seconds into the track. Wait, hold on. Now we need to listen to this. When this gray world crumbles like a cake. Yeah, what that is. Okay, I know what that is. I'm cracking the case on all this shit, man. I'm the, I'm the hotel detective. That is uh, either they weren't using a pop screen. That's that's a plosive. That's, that's Linnell saying, uh, what word was he saying? Hold on. Yeah, I think it's crumbles when he says the b. He blows into the microphone. So it's not a thump like on the ground or something. It's, it's well, if I take my pop screen down, puh, 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 and that just clipped my microphone because I just said puh and breathed right into the diaphragm of the microphone. So either, I mean, I'm sure Bill Krauss knows what he's doing. I'm sure they had a pop screen on there. Even in the 80s, you would use that. But maybe Linnell got too close. It doesn't sound like he enunciates that that hard. Maybe they weren't using a pop screen. I don't know. But that's definitely a plosive uh, is what you call that. D's, T's, P's. That's why when you listen to a, a podcast, starts with the letter P, and you can tell immediately when people don't use a pop screen because you're listening to a podcast. They're like, welcome to such and such podcast. And you're like, ow. You're listening on earbuds. You're like, ow, my ears. Put it on the pop screen, man. Well, so the thing for me about the song is like, I, I've looked at some of the other interpretations and I know a lot of people um, take it to like alcoholism or whatever, but it like, <laughs> you live in a, in a colder climate, right? You've shoveled snow before, I'm sure. I grew up in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. So it's like this, the, the whole, you know, rain falling down uh-huh. without your help and your lawn getting wet without your consent. Right. Like it just, it, it speaks to, you know, all the things that are out of your control in life and just life in general, right? Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, it's it's just a song about, you know, living. 
right? I mean, the whole the whole title phrase that it's not my birthday, it's not today. I don't know. What, what what do you make of that? I mean, most days it's not your birthday, right? Like I wouldn't. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> 364 days of the year are not your birthday. Yeah. So I actually did have a think on that. And I know I'm sure there's some theories on, on the, uh, the interpretations, but I don't know, man. It's just like, why is everybody in my face? Today is not my birthday. Like what, what is this all about? Leave me alone. Right. I think, I think it, it, it sort of speaks to their misanthropy or whatever. Uh-huh. Whatever you want to say, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I think, uh, just just feels like sort of a, a high level narration on what it is to to live. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, um, but it is a fun song to sing around your birthday. Just it's a fun song at you know a specific time of year just to take literally just because it's funny like i love that like are people lunging at him when it is his birthday like the, that phrase that verb why do you lunge, lunge out at me like happy birthday just like jumping in your face and i'm just clipping my mic again um but i do love uh looking at the interpretations but i usually don't do it until like mid-episode because i don't want to be swayed i already want to be mm-hmm. talking about it but it is funny to see all the people that chime in was just something dumb, like, what? I thought it just wasn't his birthday. <laughs> Stuff like that. So, yeah, there's a lot about liquor here. Right. The It's Not My Birthday is a suicide note. I don't know about that. Are, are you onto the interpretations now? I mean, I, I mean, I'm pretty much in agreement with your interpretation, so I've moved on to what other people are saying, because it's just... Typical Linnell surrealism, like that whole thing. Like, if you didn't know the MacArthur Park reference, you'd be like, why is he talking about a cake crumbling? Right. I'll never have see that recipe again. Like, it just sounds like surrealist, like, da-da type poetry. Yeah. If you didn't know, he's referencing a song. So, it's artsy either way. He's referencing a what's now a pretty obscure song. We heard it when we were growing up. It wasn't as old then, I guess. I don't know. Classic rock radio now is not 60s stuff. It's like 80, 80s. No, it's like Foo Fighters. Yeah, right. It's like ACDC is as old as it gets. <coughs> that made me feel old. Do you want another hot take? I also hate ACDC. Hate AC- yeah, there. I mean, you know, there's time and a place for it. And teaching elementary school, kids love when you bust out like the riff to back and black. Or Can whatever. you hear my eyes rolling? Well, I pl- I'll play name that tune with them sometimes. Like if I bring in my electric guitar for something, you know, if they have a good class period, you know, at the last five minutes, like name that tune. And in this neck of the woods, like guitar riffs don't exist anymore. There's no guitar on the radio, not on mainstream radio, at least. Country has guitar, but it doesn't play anything notable. Um, nothing memorable, but you play like Smoke on the Water. Iron Man, mm. Sweet Home Alabama, uh, Crazy Train, Back in Black. Like, those are my go-tos. I know how to play, yep. like, the first 30 seconds of all of those. Uh, and there's a place for ACDC. I don't listen to it much by choice, but if it comes on at a wedding or whatever, I'll sing along. But, um, so, back to the topic. <laughs> I like the, as I walk, I think about a new way to walk. As I think, I'm using up the time left to think. <laughs> The train keeps yeah. rolling off the track. Obviously, he's like, he's getting stressed out with stuff in life, you know. But, like, it's funny to think about while you're walking, think about, well, maybe I should walk differently. <laughs> like, it's just a weird thing to say. It reminds me of Monty Python, Ministry of Silly Walks or something. Yeah. Which I would drop in audio, but that bit doesn't have a whole lot of audio. It's just funny to think about life while you're living it. Mm-hmm. You know? It's very meta that way. 
Yeah. I think, um, one of the other, the, I don't know if this is the verse of the chorus, uh, but the like rattling the bars around the string tank. Mm. Discreetly, I should pour through the keyhole or evaporate completely. Like that whole, uh-huh. the phrasing in that is so dense, but so beautiful. And just, I wish I could write lyrics like that. It's just yeah. like rhyming, like just, just on the most basic level, rhyming discreetly with completely is just a cool rhyme that you don't hear a lot. They come up with a lot of weird rhymes. Uh, Flansburg has a thing about like trying to make like the weirdest rhyme, especially. Yeah, yeah, rattling like that's a country thing. Like the apostrophe and there's no G. This I'm not rattling. I'm rattling around the bars. Makes something like you're going around honky tonks down, you know, the main drag in Nashville or something. This drink tank um, instead of drunk tank, drink tank. I mean, that's what I kind of take away from that. Some sort of combination of like he's drinking, he's going to end up in the drunk tank. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or he's in it already. Discreetly, he's getting drunk, and should I should pour through the key, pour through the keyhole, or evaporate completely? Is he saying he wants to basically disappear? I mean, that person yeah. talks about suicide. Yeah. I don't think it's that, but he's kind of like, oh, I just want to like fade away. Like, yeah, not kill yourself, but like, I'm kind of sick of life right now. I'm just gonna like go in a corner for a little while. I'm gonna go for mm. a walk, man. I'm gonna go get drunk. I'm gonna walk around. Not try not to make a fool of myself. Try to be discreet. Could just be sad, right? Just sad. You know, it's like it's just a bad day. Let's listen to this version that they released in twenty sixteen. Oh, before, before we go on, before we go yes. on, I think I think someone nailed down what like sort of my feelings on it and the interpretations. Okay. I think uh, Dragon Rose. I think he says. I think this song is about the narrator realizing he can't control the universe and that he isn't at the center of it. Yeah. The rain doesn't need his help to fall and the lawn doesn't need his permission to get wet. And I, I think that really sort of sums it up, right? Like, there's, yeah. you're just a part of it, man. Yeah, you're not God. Don't try to play God. You can't. Some things are just out of your control, man. You know, <clears throat> I'm not one of those people to say, like, I mean, I'm an atheist. I'm not going to say, like, oh, it's an, it's all part of God's plan. It's in God's hands now. It's... Like, all that bullshit, like, take control of your life. But there are some things, like the weather. We might have a snow day here tomorrow, actually. it's it's, it's coming down. Um, or it's starting to turn to snow. Um, so I'll probably have the day off tomorrow. So drinking coffee at 9 p.m., I think I'm okay. Uh, stay up late, sleep late. But I think... Yeah, I like that. Like, there's some things, you, you know, I can't control. I I like going to work. I don't mind a snow day, but it means my sixth graders are going to miss their lesson. I only see them once a week. So as a teacher, I'm like, ah, God damn it. Like now they're going to have to catch up next week. So I can't control that. It's out of my control. You know, I can complain about it and I can drink coffee at 922 PM on a school night. <laughs> or land in the drink tank. Or land. Yeah. I don't, I don't drink at all. I'm, I'm like, the I giants. So, um, are we ready to listen to this live one then? Yeah, let's do it. So I'm rattling the cage around this drink tank. Sweetly, I should pour through the keyhole or evaporate completely. But there'd be no percentage and there'd be no proof. And the sound upon the roof is only water. And the rain falls down without my help. I'm afraid and my lungs get wet. Well, so the one I'm talking about, I got the date way off. It's actually 2001. They performed it. Quote, unplugged with just accordion and guitar, which, you know, the John style, you know, even in the full band era, which this was the Mink Car era when they were doing TMBG Unlimited for that year and released a crap ton of songs. So it's not my birthday live. It's 
right around the same length. It's the same version as the EP. It's just done, you know, stripped down, just according to guitar. So it was on dialasong.com and that back in that day um, when it was like the streaming radio, essentially, they might be trying radio podcast episode 5b and then it was released to people who subscribe to tmbg unlimited yeah i mean that one feels pretty faithful to the album just without the the drum and bass right it's it's sort of like that version but stripped down yeah mm-hmm. so um yeah not much to really say about that i like it. it's it's cool um mink car era it's it's cool to see them going back and still doing the classics you know and a b-side so cool i think it's one of the more popular b-sides honestly um mm-hmm. so Let's. I want to watch a modern live version, and I listened to a bunch. They still perform this song quite a bit. Um, I mean, according to the wiki, there are 79 known performances. Seems like there should be more, but again, it's a B-side, so if they did a Lincoln album tour someday, you know, would they play all the B-sides? I would hope so. There's so mm-hmm. many good B-sides. Yeah, I want to hear Nightgown of the Sullen Moon. That has, I don't think, ever been played. Um, well, let me confirm that before I say it. You know, we got the wiki right here. Why not take a look? Nightgown of the Sullen Moon, one known performance. Play it, guys. People love it. Come yeah, on. Kidding. So this is one of the B-sides from the era. They do play quite a bit. So let me send you this clip. It's from 2016, uploaded by Peter Gritch, friend of the pod, Patreon subscriber, former guest, been on a couple of times. Um, was on that Flood Tour preview show as well as Unrelated Thing episode. So here, this is at the uh, Walter E. Washington Convention Center in Washington, D.C., which looks like a super cool venue because it's like, I think it's like a science museum, but it's like a, um, there's all these cool cubes with like atoms and sound waves and weird things on these colorful blocks. It's just a really cool looking thing. Peter has good uh, a good digital recorder that, I mean, unless that's just off his phone, I'm guessing he may have taken the audio separately from the video. He's pretty serious about his recordings. He's got one of those little Zoom field recorder things. That his audio always sounds really good. So as I'm clicking through live versions, I'm like, oh, here's Peter's. That's probably going to be the one. And I'm like, it sounds good. Mm, it Quality is good. And the banter, typical Flans genius banter. Have you yeah. seen it live? Yeah, yeah, a couple times. Okay, yeah. There, God, the chit-chat for the songs is half of the fun, and that's why most people don't trim it off the video when they upload. Yeah. This, so what does he say? This is a song that wasn't even on an album. Nobody knows it. Not even us. <laughs> <laughs> the self-deprecating humor. I've always been a Conan O'Brien fan, all that stuff. That's like my fa- my favorite kind of humor is... Just say, we don't know the song. We're going to play it anyway. What did you think of their, their 2016 take on it? I mean, it still sounds good to me. I think uh, yeah. it's, it's remained fairly faithful, right? Like, Yeah. Um, I mean, but you got a real bass player, a real drummer, um, a second guitarist. I mean, it's hard to see. You can really only see from this angle that he's at. You can see like the headstock of, Mar- of uh, Danny's bass peeking out 
from the side on the left side, but you pretty much just see the Johns. Um, mm. But Marty, Marty is hidden, but his drumming sounds good. It's faithful yep. to, you know, I mean, hell, the drum machine's so good. You're like, is this a real drummer? I mean, it's a good sounding drum machine, and Marty pretty much just imitates it. So yep. they're still playing it faithfully. It's not like Istanbul or Particle Man where they fuck with it every time they play it because they haven't played it that many times. So they played it enough times, 79 times, but still, once you once you crack 100, maybe then they're like, we're sick of this song, let's change it. <laughs> it's our song, let's play it differently. But this is pretty faithful. I think it sounds great. Agreed. So uh, co- covers section, are you ready? Sure, let's do it. Y'all ready for this? First one, um, we've got a trio here, and the... YouTube channel is Me and the Notable People. And the rain falls down without my help, I'm afraid of my lungs. When the wine with hell might consent, and when this gray world crumbles, I think I'll be hanging from the hope that I'll never see that rest of the weekend. It's not my birthday, it's not today, it's not my birthday, so why do you lunge at it? Me and the notable people. Yeah, and you don't have to mute. It's fine. I'll be trimming. Sorry, oh, no reason. And... No, it's a, they did a great job, I think. Yeah. So they cover... I'm looking at their YouTube channel, and they cover um, The Cure. Um, they cover They Might Be Giants Where Your Eyes Don't Go. That I haven't done that episode oh, yet. It's a good love one. Love that song. Um, some other stuff uh, that I don't know. Bug Hunter? They do a Zappa cover. That could be cool. Um Frank Black, Frank Black and the Catholics. Um, so yeah, I like that one. What do you think? No, it's good. It's really nice. Pretty, pretty faithful. I also love the age range. I want to know if they're related. I'm guessing. I don't know unless they just that old dude's just cool and they're like, let's form a band. I'm guessing there's a yeah family gram- or grandpa. Right? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, grandpa, older uncle. Um, but yeah, they rock it. You know, and I love just the. I love the style of that kid playing accordion, just the mop of curly hair, shorts, yep. with like a tucked in shirt, like total, like they might be Giants fan, like, I don't care, I dress how I want to dress, not pretending to be some quote unquote cool thing, I think he looks super cool, it's like Linnell in the 90s, tucked in turtleneck or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, moving along, um, you know, typically I am not looking specifically for just acoustic guitar covers because they're like a dime a dozen on some songs. But this one, the performance is so good. The video is weird, like there's like a laggy thing, but it's the performance is so good that we're going to play it. This guy's name is Tina Fahey? Fahey? Either it's a guy named Tina or he's on someone else's YouTube channel. It's probably know. a play on Tina Fey, but... Yeah, well, definitely, but like... What's this guy's name? I can't give him proper credit. It says nothing. It's Tina Fey. Yeah. Eight years ago, Tina Fey recorded a cover. (laughs) And that's why he says blurg so much. So the rain falls down without my help. I'm afraid and my lawn gets wet the wife withheld my consent. When this gray world crumbles like a cake, I'll be hanging from the hope. That I'll never see that recipe again It's not my birthday 
it's not today it's not my birthday so why do you lunge out at me when the word comes down nevermore will be around and i'll wish we were there i was less than we could bear and i'm not the only dust my mother raised i am not the only dust my mother raised what do you think about that performance it's very animated despite it just being the guitar and the uh, the vocals He's very. You can tell yeah. he's really. He's really into it, which is good. It's good. Great. Good guitar picking. Good uh, vocal performance. So next one, taking a total left turn. Peter, who posted that live video, here he is again under the name Chris Crump on Bandcamp. Chris Crump dot Bandcamp dot oh, com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a whole album of Mario Paint, Super Nintendo Mario Paint, and he uses an emulator. I mean, the actual Mario Paint which I still own, the SNES version, is very limited as far as like rhythms you can do and stuff. It's like almost you can only do quarter notes. Let's just ramp the tempo up. But um, so you listen, you listen to this already? Yeah, no, it was quite good. Oh, I was, yeah. Uh, I remember thinking it in advance, like I don't think anybody could actually make a decent cover of this chiptune or Mario Paint or whatever, but no, it, it came out really well, I think. about to hear another chiptune version so you ready (laughs) and this one is really good like i've played a lot of chiptune versions and a lot of them i'm a total sucker for it so it doesn't need to be too complicated for me to like it but um this chiptune 8-bit uh in the style of 8-bit max Dembski music i've played his stuff before listen to this it is just such a thick arrangement and it's in stereo um it's mixed in stereo surround sound um it says you're supposed to listen in surround sound, not two channel, but that's all I got right now. So check that yeah, out. Yeah, I've, I've got laptop speakers, so I'm in even more shape. It sounds so good. also sucker for panning and as a producer i do uh i i do severe panning stuff 100 the left ear 100 the right ear and yeah i had to usually for these covers i just hold up one thing from my other headphone i put both on it just sounds so thick you got harmonies coming on both sides max Dembski, nice job love it do you like it yeah no it was great it is great super I mean, good it's, it's hard to do wrong by this song i think it's just Oh, just like put that like like Peter's is great and it's got that 16-bit version, but it's more of a simple version, and that's more of the 8-bit kind of crunchy dungeons or not uh, what I'm thinking, um, double dragon kind of just like yeah, man. but it's so thick like it's more complex than songs were on video games back then. surround. I can do that upstairs. I'm going to do that later. 
So I'm sending you this next one. I was very confused when I found this for... Yeah, so this will be the last one we talk about. I, I um, played something by this guy before who does... So it says Lotro Music, which stands for Lord of the Rings. Um, and he's used this Lord of the Rings game. I don't even understand this. I'm not that big of a fantasy nerd to play fantasy video games, let alone watch the movies. It's just not my it's not my bag, baby. But like this is so cool. It's not my birthday by Snoosh of Vilia. So oh, it's man. basically, it's done through this video game, but the cover is essentially loot and uh, what looks like a bodron, which is an Irish drum, a traditional Irish drum. Now, I know Lord of the Rings, I don't know, it takes place in a mystical world and is filmed in New Zealand, but the the way the drum has like the cross, you could see it's got a cross handle in the back. That is definitely looking like an Irish bodron, which is a traditional Irish drum. And I know that stuff because I'm a total dork music teacher. Um, but yeah, so a lute and bodron cover, but done through animated through some Lord of the Rings video game. And I've played this guy's stuff before. Hold on, I didn't credit him. Um, this guy is... the Oh yeah, Snosh. I did credit him. Snosh is the YouTube channel. You like that? Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm just looking it up. You can apparently you can in this game you can equip an instrument and then uh, you, you can like hit keys like to make a weapon. The music. Yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of a weapon, that is fantastic, and it makes me want to play this game. Oh, what man, what year was amazing. this game? What year did this game come out? It seems kind of like Sims era, early aughts. So yeah, well I got to wrap it up. So we got to score the song. Do you? All right, um, right, let's do it. Did you? Did you? Well, did you see anything just there in your cursory Google when this game's from? Yeah, oh, 07. Oh, I knew it was, was slightly, I thought it was maybe earlier, but it definitely has that Sims kind mm-hmm. of style animation. So that that era of RPG, I guess you'd call it. Um, so let's score this song. One to ten or zero to ten, I suppose. <laughs> I give it a point two. What, uh, what, do you, what do you score? I'm kidding. What do you score? Uh, it's not well, my burp day. Like I will, if you, if you insist, it's a country song. I'll have to lower its rating. But like assuming assuming it's folk, I, I would give it. It's a they might be giant song. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, what it is. Honestly, I, I think it it is my favorite song that they do. Um, so wait, I your favorite give, they might be giant song ever? Yeah, yeah. Wow, nice. It's, it's, and and it's you're definitely uh, a contender. Which one of your kids was that that said it was their favorite? Uh, Eva, yeah. Well, so the <laughs> when they were young, I used to sing them. They may be giants because they'd ask for a song. Good. And dad. so this this was usually my go to. So I, th- I think that might have biased their opinion. But but yeah. Oh shit! No, you're raising right. <laughs> yeah. I should send you some Carter family though. There's some solid guitar picking on there that you'd appreciate, even just as a musician. Be like, oh, you know, this is my favorite style of music. But damn, girl, Mother Maybell kicks okay. ass. Um, so. 
Yeah. So what are you scoring it? I, I would give it. Um, I don't want to say a ten because, like, you know, nothing's perfect. But I, I would give it a nine point nine for sure. I nice. Love this song. Nine point nine. It is so good. And as far as B sides from this era that I've recorded episodes on, very few. I've done the. I've done <laughs> from the first disc of then. I've recorded the episode on the untitled Gloria track, which isn't even mm. really a song. That and was then, um, and then I did. The world's address. So we also talked about the Joshua Freed remix. So um, basically, I haven't done any actual B side from this era, which is criminal. So now we've now we've done one. Thank you. So as far as from this era, I'd say like even from the EP, I don't like it as much as Nightgown of the Soul and Moon, but I like it better than I'll Sink Manhattan. But I love that whole EP is just solid. I love everything from this era. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm going to go 7.7, 7, 7.9. Weep, weep, weep. That is too low. Weep day. Weep, 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 weep. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being on, Mike. I, I, sorry it took so long to get you on. Thank oh, you for no. supporting the pod all this time. Um, yeah. Good luck catching up. Do you kind of jump around on episodes, or are you trying to just like bear through in order? No, no. I think uh, I've got my pod catcher or whatever you call it, so I just listen to them as they come out. Yeah. Nice. It's not my birthday. Great song. Uh, it is not either of our birthdays. Uh, when's your birthday, though? Because when th- th- this is coming out, if I could release it on your birthday, that would be hilarious. When's your birthday? Yeah, it's in October, so you'd have to wait a while. Yeah, I'm not waiting that long. Sorry. It will nope. come out on neither of our, of our birthdays. That seems more appropriate. Anyway. How about it comes out on nobody's birthday? So is there anything you want to plug? Do you want people to find you on Twitter or anything like that? Nope. Go away. Nobody. <laughs> they'll find you mixing it up with me and they'll yeah, find no, no, no. you. No, I, I ever I, I sort of creep on mis- or what is it? Uh, what's the Facebook group there that John Miscellaneous T. All right, so uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, disclaimer, if you didn't realize already from how stupid I am, we are not officially affiliated with They Might Be Giants in any way. Legal disclaimer. Um, though, maybe someday they'll take us under their wing and we will be official. No, that won't happen. But come on, Johns, come on the show. So you can uh, hit me up on Twitter. This might be a pod. Email me. This might be a pod at Gmail. Um, call me. Leave voicemails. You should leave more voicemails or send me MP3s or whatever. I will. I will. People can send me sound clips of their uh, things that they disagree with or agree with or whatever. I love it. Had some good voicemails on the front of the Brian Doherty episode. So that's 224-801-2930. Leave me a voicemail on the Google number. Um, and we have an Instagram, a YouTube, of thismightbepodcast.com, everything. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks to you for finally being on after a year of waiting on the list. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, thanks for being on, dude. And um, we'll talk again later. So bye-bye. All right. See you later. I'm not the only dust my mother raised. I am not the only dust my mother raised. That was the best one yet.